Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. We're going to get right into the word this morning. Um, This is a word I, I shared years ago, and I may have dropped nuggets here and there on this word at another time, but I I just felt that where we are going as a church and where we're going as a family at this season of life, that this word is so important for what's next that I believe God is taking us to. And this isn't just for dads. If you are a single mother, this is for you. If you are in a place of leadership, this is for you. But for fathers, this is paramount. And even if you don't have kids, if you are leading a family, if you're married, if you're uh, going to school, there is something that you carry with you inside of you. There's an atmosphere that you carry. Atmospheres determine what can grow and what doesn't grow. Atmospheres are responsible for the things that are going to grow and the, the, what you're going to wear. It sets the atmosphere for everything. My wife and I, first thing we do is we look at the weather every morning to determine what we're going to wear. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says this, I'm, writing this all, I'm, I'm not writing this all as a neighbor scold just to scold you and make you feel rotten. I'm writing this as a father to you, my children. I love you, and I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. How many know, just hate spoiled kids sometimes? Nothing wrong with being blessed, but that spoiled kid? uh, I I was just thinking that. I didn't realize I actually said it out loud. (laughs) There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong, but there aren't many fathers. Everyone say fathers. Fathers willing to take time and effort to help you grow. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to understand that identity comes not from impartation, or comes from impartation, not from information. Not knowing knowing who your father is isn't enough. It's Your father imparting identity to you is where your identity comes from. And in 1 Corinthians, we read the Apostle Paul is taking time to tell them, I'm not just your teacher, I'm your father. And as a father, I'm not correcting you because I want to just catch you doing something wrong. What I want to do is I want you to live at a higher level, and so I'm going to call out things in your life. You see, many people, you, you want a teacher, but you don't want a spiritual father. You don't want anyone getting into your life and pointing things out. You want someone that just, uh, that that doesn't say anything, that doesn't challenge you to get to a higher level. But that's not what a father does. A father will point out your mistakes. A father will point out when you're going in the wrong direction. A father will take time to correct you. A father will take time to coach you. A father will let you know when you're wrong. A father will pat you on the back and he will kick you in the butt what a father does but every problem in society today can be traced to a violation of the law of God everything that we're facing in the world today is because somewhere along the line we have violated a principle of God now let me let you know this we can't break the laws of God it's impossible you can't you can't break the laws of God but you can violate them And when you violate those laws, you're going to end up with consequences. And ignorance of a principle doesn't remove the consequences of that principle. 
Say it again, Pastor. Just because you didn't know that was a principle doesn't mean you're not responsible for it. Doesn't mean that you're, you're, that you're, you're not going to suffer the consequences of it. In America today, we are seeing the consequences of a missing father. We're seeing the consequences of dad being absent. We're seeing the consequences of fathers not sitting in the role that they're supposed to be in. Children, it's been said, children that, who live absent of their biological fathers, on average, are more likely to be poor, experience educational struggles, health emotional and psychological problems, be victims of child abuse, engage in criminal behavior more than their peers who live with their married biological mother and father. That's not my idea. Those are just the statistics of what we see. Now, I'm not saying every child that comes from a family that dad's not in it ends up messed up. I'm not saying that. But I am saying there's more, there, there more, more propensity for them to have issues in their life when you remove the identity giver in their father out of their lives. Check this out. The average annual cost for missing dad in the home, $100 billion a year. To solve problems because dad's not home anymore. One third nationally of our children are raised without a father. And that's not including the fathers that are home but not doing their jobs. Oh, I, did I say that out loud too? I was just thinking that. See, the father factor, we see more poverty educational behavioral issues, maternal and child health issues, crime, pregnancy, sexual activity, abuse, drugs and alcohol, obesity, and again, education issues. Whenever dad is gone, see, I need you to understand when God does anything, God always starts with the man. Let me start on this side, okay? Let me try this again. God always starts whatever he's going to do with the man. Okay? Now, now, ladies, that, I'm not saying that you're not important. Don't get me wrong here, okay? But God, oh, he's, God is a God of order. And so if a man won't step up, he'll call a Deborah. If a man won't step up, he'll get an Esther. If a man won't step up, he'll, he'll get a woman to do the job. But he always starts with the man. Whenever he's going to do something, he starts with the man first. He calls a man to rise up and to fill that gap. And I think we can all agree that the absence of a father is detrimental to the development of a child and a family. You see, some of you were raised without dad and you turned out well. Some of you, dad was home and you wish he didn't show up at home because of the abuse he brought to the household. Because the father, the role of a dad has been so attacked, so messed up. Satan went after the role of dad more than any other role because when God, when Jesus introduces God to us in the New Testament for the very first time he doesn't say Elohim the creator or Adonai Lord he doesn't introduce him as Yahweh uh, the, the holy one or El Elyon the mighty God he doesn't introduce him as Jehovah God he doesn't introduce him as Jehovah Nisi Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Zikanu he introduces him as father So if I can jack up your mentality of what a father is, I can keep you from God. Because Jesus' first introduction to us of who God is, is a father. 
You see, I need you to understand something. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says this. Pray like this then. Our our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that word Father, everyone say Father, Father. is the Greek word pater. And pater means the originator, the producer, the generator, the creator, the ancestor, the starter of anything. So you might not have biological children, but you are a father today. Because you started something. Good or bad, you started something. Right or wrong, you started something. You originated something. You created momentum in something. Whether it was a momentum into addiction or whether it was momentum into blessing, you started something. You're the originator of something, the starter of something. That's what a father is. He is the individual responsible for creation or origin of anything. The father was the one that gave the seed. And throughout the Old Testament, you always see the, the, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac, the seed of Jacob. It doesn't mean mom wasn't important, but that the seed is where the lineage came from, from the man. So I need you to understand this as we continue on. God was, wasn't concerned about starting a religion. He was concerned about starting a family. Uh, that, that was a really great place to understand where you are right now. Je- Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a family. He came to start a family. And if he was, was concerned about starting a religion, he would have introduced God the Father in one of those other terms. But instead, he introduces him as Father. He's showing the importance of creating a family, not an organization. You see, teachers instruct, but inheritance and identity come through fathering. Fathering is an active thing. Listen, you, fathering isn't done when you deposit the seed. Yeah, it is a good place to laugh, too, because it's a reality. Some dads think, okay, whoo, I did my job. I gave the seed. It's done. It's over. Now, that's fathering really begins after the baby's born. That's where identity, come on, that's where identity comes from. So I, I want to close this morning. I want to bring you together on this with, with three ideas, three thoughts, because I want to talk to you about the power of a name. The the most important thing I can give to my children is a name. The last name they carry is their identity. And if I jack up the name of Vera, wherever they go, that name is going to be attached to their lives until they get married and another man comes and takes their identity and gives them a covering, they're going to have my name. And so whatever I do with that name determines the power of that name, how I act. When you see this picture right here, who's this? Benjamin Franklin. What do we know him as or know him for? Electricity. What else? Inventor, one of, one of the, the, the founders of our, of our country. He, he was instrumental. What about this guy? Abraham Lincoln, the Emancipation Proclamation, the releasing of slaves, one of the greatest presidents that was murdered, yet he was not famous or even in, loved at the time that he ruled. But now this name carries legacy. What about this individual? Dr. King, not only did he have a dream, do you, do you get, he was one of the most hated people when he lived. 
not until he was gone did his legacy really come alive. People realized what he stood for. Now, now, I could say Dr. King. I could say Benjamin Franklin. I could say these, even Billy Graham. But what about a name like Jezebel? Anyone named their daughter Jezebel recently? Why not? Oh, we have a baby girl. What's her name? Her name's Jezebel. You wouldn't do that. Why? Or how about you have a baby boy? Oh, we're going to name him Adolf Hitler. And then whatever your last name is. You wouldn't do that. Bernie Madoff. O.J. Simpson, Jerry Sandusky, these are names too. That at one time, those names meant something. At one time, those names had some value. But along the way, these men did something that took away the value of their name. Your name means something. And so I want you to see three things this morning that are so important. When your name is mentioned, what do people think? When your name is mentioned, what do people think? What's thought of when your name's mentioned? I want you to think about that for a second. When your name is mentioned, what do people think? Proverbs 22.1 says this, A good name is to be chosen greater than riches, a loving favor rather than silver and gold. Your name is the most valuable thing you have, not your house, not your, your 401K, not your car. The most valuable thing you have is your name. I want, want you to see the power of a father, number one. Father has a power to give a name. Everyone say to give a name. Give a name is what, what, what your identity is. In the book of, of Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, it says, And whatever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. That word called means to summon, to invite, to call, to commission, to appoint, to call or endow. And it comes from the root meaning that means to encounter. That, that if you and I have bumped into each other, that's an encounter. And through that encounter, you walk away with the new identity because of your encounter with me. So when all the animals were, came before Adam, God gave Adam the responsibility to name each and every species, each and every animal. And whatever Adam called that animal, that's what they were known as. Now, the Bible says it doesn't say whether God agreed with the name or disagreed with the name. It's just whatever assignment or identity God gave or Adam gave to that animal, giraffe, hippopotamus, dog, cat, Whatever Adam, Adam had the capacity to name all these species, that in itself is powerful. You don't even know the capacity that you have. God will never give you an assignment without giving you the ability to carry that assignment out. Now, now let me take you a bit further now. Fathers, every word you speak to your children becomes their identity. Just like the Garden of Eden, your home is your garden. And whatever you speak to your children, that's what they take on. Whether God agrees with what you said or not, whatever you speak 
is what they become known as. Whatever encounter they have, what's wrong with you? Are you stupid or something? What's a, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. Why are you so lazy? Why are you this? Why are you that? And when we take shots out of anger or frustration sometimes, Dad, the words that come out of our mouth bring, and because of that encounter, we give an identity to our children. We give an identity to our wife. Are you stupid? Who are, what's wrong with you? Every word you speak, you are assigning identity to your family. You better watch the words that come out of your mouth because that family belonged to God first. As a result of their encounter with Adam, each one of them left with a new name. I need you to understand that after an encounter with you, what are people left with? After people walk away from an encounter with you, what name do they walk away with? Number two. So the first one was the ability to give a name. Number two, I love this, the ability to change a name. Dads can change a name. You may, you may have blown it at the beginning and given the name to your, to your wife, to your children, to your, to your job, to your city, to your community. Look, here, when a bride or a son or a daughter, uh, when a bride gets married, she takes on the name of her husband. When, when a son or daughter is born, she take, he, they take the name of their father as well, the last name of the father. In fact, Eve had no children. Adam names all the animals but never gave a name to Eve. And it's not until he named Eve, Eve, that she began to have children. Say it again, Pastor. You're, you're, this, this is a deep thing. Some of you complaining about your wife instead of assigning her value. The moment you assign value to her, the moment you call out who she is, the moment you speak to the barrenness and give an assignment to her, Eve meant the mother of all living things. She hadn't even had a kid yet. Yet he called out in her what was already there, and he named her Eve. And when he gave her the name Eve, the mother of all living things, now immediately she starts having children. Because fathers, husbands, you have the ability to change a name, to assign value, to call out destiny. Names in those days weren't just a name. Oh, this is a cute name. This is the newest name out there. Name was a prophetic declaration over who you were going to become. It called out your destiny. Now, in the process we find in the Word of God in the book of Genesis, Jacob's son is being born to his wife that he loved the most by the name of Rachel. But in the middle of giving birth, mama dies. But before she died, she called her son Benoni, son of my sorrow. You imagine this kid going through life. Hey, Benoni, come here. Hey, Benoni, throw out the trash. Son of my sorrow, go throw this away. Hey, son of my sorrow, go, go get the, the sheep together. That every time his name was mentioned, it would bring back remembrance that he was the one that killed his mother. You imagine going through life with that assignment. 
going through life with that identity. But I want you to know the power of a father has the ability to stop a negative declaration over your family, over your children, over your city, over your community, over your church, over your business. He says, stop, no, you're not going to be named Ben-Onai. I'm going to change your name to Benjamin, not son of my sorrow, but son of my right hand, son of power, son of might, son of authority. See, I need you to understand, some of you right now, you've been identified by someone. You've been called a name by mom and dad. You've been assigned a name or an identity that you don't like. You don't like how people have identified you as, as a certain thing. I'm here to tell you that you have a heavenly father today. And as your spiritual father as well, I, I declare over you a name change today. I declare a new identity over you. You are not broken, you're whole. You are not messed up, you're fixed. You are not broken and destroyed. You have been put together for a purpose. I need you. I'm prophesying to someone right now. I need you to understand something. Jacob changed this, his son's future by changing his name. He gave him a name of authority and power. He prophesied a new name. But the key is this as I close. Worship team, if you would help me. You can't change someone's name until you've been changed yourself. You can't try to give someone a new name when you're jacked up yourself. When you're, when you're messed up and you're trying to give new identity to someone else, you haven't even had an encounter yourself. What, what, why could Jacob go and tell his son, you are no longer Ben-Onai, you're Benjamin? What gave him that authority? His what? He had wrestled with God. And through his own identity issues, Jacob meant deceiver. And when his brother Esau, who he had stolen the birthright from and blessing from, he heard was coming to see him with 400 men. He was scared to death. So all night he battled, and as he battled, a man showed up, and God showed up in man form, and he grabbed a hold of God, and he begins to wrestle with them. And the Bible said, you, you know God loves you when you know God can destroy you, yet God lets you think you're winning. And this tenacity to hold on to God, some of you, you're going through a battle right now. You're getting tired and you just want to let go. I'm here to tell you, hold on. Hold on. You don't feel like you have the strength to fight anymore, wrestle anymore. You think God couldn't have taken Jacob? But he was in such panic, such, such an state of mind that he needed a blessing from God. That your need to get blessed from God needs to be greater than your need to impress people. He got a hold of God and he stayed there. He sent everyone else away. And the Bible says, and morning came, he wrestled all night. Some of you have been wrestling for years. That God touched his hip and his hip went out of socket. That's why the Jewish people to this day won't eat the meat from the, from the hip of an animal. He says, let me go. He says, I'm not letting you go until you bless me even with the broken hip. 
He says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel, Prince of God. <laughs> Jacob went from deceiver to prince. Some of y'all are about to be promoted from deceiver into prince of God. Stay with me as I close. Next day, Jacob gets up. His hip's out of socket. Heard someone say one time, never trust a man that doesn't walk without a limb. Because you can tell someone that's had an encounter with God by the way they walk. I'm not talking the gangster lean. I'm not talking about the homeboy. There's a certain way someone that has an encounter with God walks. You can tell by the way they carry themselves. You can say all the right things, but I can tell you haven't been with God because of how you walk. You might put a suit on, but I can tell you're not with God because of how you walk. You could say all the right things, but it's your walk, not your talk, that gives you away. <laughs> Jacob could give a new identity to his son because he had been given a new identity by his heavenly father. Dads, we got a great responsibility. I've let words slip in regards to my children. I've spoken things to my wife at times that are not only unbiblical, they're just downright mean. This year we'll be married 30 years. Thank you, thank you. That's just because she refuses to leave. She's so stubborn. I want you to know it's not about how long you've been married. Because if all you've had is one experience 30 times, that's not marriage. It has to be growth. Purpose, moving on. Bow your heads right where you are. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.